Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? If you can, join me as I read my way around the world, one historical journey and one country at a time. My name is Annie and this is my podcast, Around the World in Six Books. Here we go! See you later, South Korea. This last episode of my South Korean journey, it's a brief recap of my journey's expectations, what was learned, and what remains to be covered. I'll also tell you about what's next, which continent, possible country options, and other things. When I set out on this journey, like with any vacation or any other kind of journey, I had certain expectations and topics that I wanted to cover. So did I get to learn about these topics in books one through six? I think most of these topics were covered. Here's an example, here's the list. I wanted to learn about Japanese occupation, specifically the subject of comfort women, the Korean War, family structure and social hierarchies, gastronomy, self-masculinity, which is linked to the actor Sun Yuki, the Korean wave, media representations of Korean society versus reality, suicide, classical literature, contemporary literature, philosophy, religion, sports, corruption, traditions and rituals. And with the exception, I think, of an in-depth look at comfort women, which for which there's a book out there, but it's like $130 and it's one of the foundational studies on it. Um, and the concept of self-masculinity and media representations, which to some degree were covered in book five and contemporary literature, I think most of the other subjects were covered. Now that said, in spite of all those subjects that were covered, as a result of learning about these topics, I also had a lot more topics that I now wanted to learn about or go in depth into. Like for instance, I wanted to learn about honor and restoring honor. Is that something that is present in Korean society? When it came to religion, what it comes, because I still do, I want to learn more about Korean Buddhism specifically whether shamanism can be considered a religion, what about Korean Catholicism and Protestantism? We can't assume that just because they are uh, Christianity, they're part of Christianity, then they're the same everywhere. Catholic practices, hymns, songs, and even Protestant ones, depending on the place that you go, to some degree, uh, they're customized to the culture where their place is. So I wanna know, what are the differences and similarities in a Korean context? I also want to know more about child abandonment rates, child adoption, the rates, the reasons, the global rankings, gambling, is it a social problem, addiction, ageism, tribalism, one in book one ref references this. This is the conglomerates and the powerful families that run them. Demonstrations, rallies, protests as effective practices of political mobilization and shaming, acronyms, why so many even in K-pop, holidays, national and regional festivals, geomancy and Korean history, mythology, monuments, art forms, Sijo, like Sijo, Pandori, general painting, Talcum, Korean teaching and needlework, Korean popular sayings and popular wisdom, Korean folklore and tales, which I covered to some degree, but I want to know more about. Self-immolation, uh, this is mentioned in one of the chapters covered. Cold coffee, why, 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 Korea? I come from a culture in which coffee is usually drunk hot. I, 
I I find it very puzzling. I know in the U.S. we have it, but no, um, it's puzzle puzzling to me. Chili's history in Korean cuisine. Soy. Why is it such a big staple of Korean cuisine, and how does it tie to its history? I'm guessing as a vegetarian and a Buddhist country. Allergy types and incidents in Korea. Traditional clothing. Korean feminism. There's a book coming up on this subject, so I'm hoping I can read it at some point. History of military technology. Douglas MacArthur and the Korean War. Zainiki Koreans and the Korean experience in Japan. Shaming. Is it present at what level? All of those subjects I want to learn as a result of the reading and the learning of the original topics. And that shouldn't be a surprise because the more you know, the more you should realize that you know very little. One of the expected outcomes of taking this project is self-reflection. That that was one of the things that I mentioned would likely happen, and it did throughout this journey. I mentioned it in the introductory episode to this project on what the podcast is about. And learning about others inevitably leads to an awareness of who we are as individuals and as members of larger cultural collectives, be them professional, religious, or ethnic. So let's reminisce. What were the things or topics that made us look at ourselves and reevaluate, well, in my case, me, throughout this historical journey through South Korea and Korea in general? So here's what I learned about myself. I don't know if you learned anything on your end. I'm hoping you did. So what did you uh, when it comes to this journey? In general, I realized that my accent in English is not as bad as I thought. (laughs) I usually thought that I had a very thick accent, but I think perhaps I just have a Miami accent. There are certain points in which I get stuck and my accent really shines through. But overall, not bad, wouldn't you say? At least I managed to get myself understood, I hope. <laughs> so when it comes to the books, um, in terms of book one, Korean history, one's book reminded me of how much I love learning about history and culture and how curiosity doesn't have to kill the cat, only expand its horizons, you know, its territory. When it comes to book two, I actually have a very different... Uh, way of seeing my mom because to me she's not hot pepper and so from time to time I try to cook stuff and new recipes for her that somehow connect her to that spiciness because of that whole though it is small the pepper is hot that proverb I love that proverb and apparently now it also affects the culinary choices that we make at home uh, book three when it comes to Korean folktales I may be a recovering idealist, but the idealist is still latent in me. And that came through in the outrage I felt when I was reflecting about women's issues. When it comes to book four, the book on the Korean War reinforced the belief that politics is a necessary yet selfish business. It made me wonder if we'll ever overcome its necessity. Book five, again, um... I may be a moderate feminist, but I'm coming to terms with the fact that it is okay not to like every female group and artist that is out there. It's just a matter of choice and liking, right? More power to them if they're successful, but I just don't have to like them and that's okay. And also, it validated my... um, I felt legitimized when it comes to the endings of some series because I was puzzled by how something 
uh, Korean television series could be so good and they're so bad in the ending, when it comes to the ending. And now I know the reasons why the endings of some of the Korean series are so bad. And when it comes to book six about Korean gastronomy, if it depended on food taste, assuming reincarnation actually does happen and exists, I might have been Korean in another life. I love food. They have an amazing gastronomy. They love rice. I love rice. They love soup. So do I. They combine the two and I like them together too. That's thriving. <laughs> Their barbecue is amazing and I love it. I don't love vegetables and I can't really have too, um, too many of them for health reasons. But other than that, Korean food and I go together. So what's next? Now that I'm done with this first journey, what continents? am I going to go next? Do I go east of Korea or do I go west? Well, I want to try to balance these new journeys by going over countries that are accessible if you want to travel to them and somehow you get interested by listening to this or just by becoming exposed to anything that is related to them in the media or elsewhere. So Korea, South Korea is fairly accessible, but I want to learn about another country that may not be as accessible yet. doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn about them, right? So if I go east, I end up in the Americas and with the exception of the tropics and the Caribbean islands and the Guyanas, uh, that is Suriname, Guyana and French Guyana, oh, and Belize. I know some stuff about the other countries in, in the Americas, right? But if I go west, I have Africa, I also have the Middle East, and to my surprise, when I think of it, I don't know a lot about some of the countries in the European Union. But still, I am inclined to say right now that I'm likely going to go to Africa. So check the podcast information for news on the next journey and the reasons, again, why I'll be selecting that country. I want to finish this main episode by thanking a friend. Her name is Sandra and she is the one friend who has listened to every single episode from the beginning and has given me feedback and her feedback, I think, has been uh, invaluable. So I want to thank her and I hope she has enjoyed this journey and she will stay tuned. There is a very brief anchor to this episode, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening to my podcast around the world in six books, one historical journey and one country at a time. My name is Annie. Have a lovely day. This is the anchor section. Thank you for staying tuned. In the anchor of book three, I say that I would learn the name of at least two female actors because I know the name of some of the male actors. And did I? I kind of did. I'm terrible with names. So I at least know the last name of one of them, but I usually get the order wrong. So her name is Kim Hee Sung. Let me see, I have a cheat sheet here. Did I get it right? Where is it? Okay, I got it right. 
but that's temporarily. I'm pretty sure next time I try to remember, I'll get it wrong. Um, and she is the actress, female actor, the lead in uh, marriage and remarriages and divorces, is it? She's amazing. And then the second actress, actor, is Nam Ji Hyun, and hers is easier to remember. She is the actor from 100 Days My Prince. And then I added another name to that list, just for kicks. Uh, her name is Cha Cha Won, is it? Okay, Cha Chan Won, almost. I got it almost. She is a supporting actress and she has been in a lot of the series. So, still work in progress, but I did come back to it and I almost got them all right. Coincidentally, the last episode of this first leg of my historical reading journey around the world, it's coming out during the holiday season in the United States, right after Thanksgiving and before Christmas and New Year's. So, dear listener, let's consider some of the traditions that we may share and what their similarities and differences may be. For instance, amongst the similarities, families in South Korea and Korea and in the United States and around the world in many places get together. If you can, you wear new clothing. Games may be played, like for instance, we play dominoes at my house and Koreans play a, a card game called Watu, H-W-A-T-U, and they also play Tug of War, which is listed as a UNESCO intangible heritage uh, item. Special foods are usually prepared and eaten. For Koreans, is an example. It's songpyeon, which are half-moon rice cakes, and teokguk, which is a beef broth and rice cake soup. In the United States for Thanksgiving, for instance, you may eat turkey, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pies, and corn. There are special rituals across holidays. For Koreans, they may be honoring ancestors, bowing to elders. In the United States, we and in some countries, we eat grapes and we toast at midnight for New Year's. And another thing that all of these holidays have in common is traffic jams. People go back to their family homes a lot of the times and traffic jams ensue at the airport or on the road. Now, in spite of the similarities, there are also differences, obviously. Um, Koreans in the names, for instance, Koreans uh, call Korean Thanksgiving Chosyak. And um, in the US it's Thanksgiving or American Thanksgiving. And their New Year's is known as Seolal. It's S-E-O-L-L-A-L. The time of the year when these holidays are celebrated is different in Korea compared to the United States. They follow the lunar calendar for the holidays. So say for instance, their Thanksgiving usually falls on the 15th day of the eighth month of the lunar calendar, which generally comes during either September or October. And I read that offline, by the way. While in the United States and other Western countries, we follow the Gregorian calendar and we celebrate Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November each year. Their celebration of New Year's is also shaped by the lunar calendar. It is usually celebrated within the first two months of the year compared to January 1st. By the way, they also celebrate 
New Year's on January 1st. So they celebrate New Year's twice. The length of these celebrations is also different. In the US, we usually have dinner once or we may get together for a couple of days, but for sure, at least once we meet, right? But Koreans celebrate Thanksgiving and New Year's for three straight days. Who is honor and the symbolism in who is honor or how also differs. For instance, Koreans go to graves and they honor ancestors and the specific foods. So in all of the similar items that I mentioned, there are also differences, but the essence of it is we get together with families, we enjoy our company, usually um, some kind of game may be played, there is drinking, there may be dancing, uh, there may be signs of respect, you know, like in the, oh, that's another one of the differences. Koreans actually deeply vow, it's, it's got a specific name, but I can't find it right now. And it's a time in which when they bow to their elders and to their parents, in return or afterwards, the kids get money. Do you, dear listener, see similarities reflected in these descriptions? And if you're an immigrant living in another country, what additional traditions do you integrate with those of the new country? Like in my family, for instance, we have turkey for Thanksgiving because we live in the US. We have the corn, the pumpkin pie, along with the roast, roasted pork, rice and beans, and probably like regular cake and flan. We also play dominoes and uh, we wear special clothing, like new clothing, but underneath it, there may be specially colored underwear. <laughs> like. Red if you're wishing love for the new year or yellow if you want money and good fortune. And at midnight, after eating the grapes and toasting, we throw a bucket of water onto the street so that the year washes away anything that was bad. And we run with luggage in the middle of the street so that we can travel in the new year. Believe it or not, even though I didn't read any books for this episode, I still ended up Googling stuff, specifically Korean Thanksgiving and Korean New Year's. And I'm glad I did because I had always wanted to know what the name of that card game that is often played uh, in K-series is. And now I know. So, dear listener, did you Google anything? Now that I know and have some base historical knowledge about Korea and South Korea, whenever I come across news articles about the region, I read them. And I recently found out that there was a comfort women system in place for American soldiers after the Korean War that lasted into the early 1990s. That was in the news. And darn it, learning about comfort women in connection to U.S. soldiers past the Japanese colonialism period was disappointing, though not necessarily shocking. Slavery continues to exist all around the world, including the U.S. And here's the thing, was not right at home is not right elsewhere. That's why reading only six books about a country and choosing the subjects that you want to read about has its advantages. Whatever you find in the news is rarely positive, and I choose to emphasize the fun and exciting through the readings in this project, even when acknowledging and looking into the bad and the ugly. Otherwise, things get too depressing. With that in mind, 
How's this first journey through South Korea and Korea contributing any positive way to my life? And I'm going to ask you, dear listener, has this first journey contributed in any way, in a positive way, hopefully, to your life? And I have to say so many ways. Granted, the impact in my life predates the idea for this project. But reading the books have made me go beyond what I see in the TV or listen in terms of music and allow me to understand more in depth this kind of influence. Here are a few examples. So as it turns out, I'm taking styling cues from the television series. Because I can't wear much jewelry because of my nickel allergy, I'm embracing the idea that I don't need to wear it to look nice. A lot of female actors in K-series wear no to minimal jewelry and they still look beautiful. I decided to cut my hair like that of the main lead in the Flower of Evil series and it suits me. That was such a complete surprise. If there was a Korean version of the Rachel haircut, this would be it for me. I also had to stop wearing shoes like sandals and high heels because of tendonitis. Instead, athletic shoes have become the norm in the type of footwear I wear because they provide support. And I've worn them to concerts, fancy dinners, you name it. And upon paying closer attention to one of the series recently, it seems that K characters do this too and look amazing. And if you look around Western fashion, others do it too. I used to feel very awkward about this, but now I feel validated. And most of my workout music is K-pop. It pumps me up. The playlist includes songs by SF9, Shiny, Stray Kids, and my favorites, XO and TVXQ, though I continue to feel slightly guilty about enjoying them so much because of the whole thing about SM and labor exploitation. And I also actively use Korean chili in a lot of the meals I cook. If you've read along with me, dear listener, has the newly acquired knowledge contributed in any positive way to your life and experiences? Since, dear listener, I know you're going to miss this episode while I start the reading and prepare the episodes of part two of this next journey around the world, I'm going to be posting outtakes from the different episodes throughout the South Korean journey in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for those. So how long did it take me to get through this very first journey? Almost a year between the point in which I conceptualized the project, my reading of the books, and the episode recordings. I hope my next journey will be shorter since I'm now more familiar with the process and how to go about it. And to be honest, the last few episodes and the last few books have gone way faster than the very first few ones. And with the base knowledge acquired about South Korea, I plan to look into local experiences of their culture and history and keep you posted on it. If it works well, I hope I can do the same with the other countries. Thank you again for staying tuned. There is no more anchor. Goodbye, see you later, South Korea, and see you soon, Africa.